Welcome to the Free Chapel Podcast. Let's get into this week's message. If you've got your Bible, grab your Bible. And I want to preach something um, today that I think is going to help you. I think is going to help you um, because that's, that's uh, really what my heart is, is to do. It's a little bit of a different message in that um, I want to get, I want to, I want to, it's a very much a teaching, a teaching message um, and, uh, and a very practical message that I, that I, I really believe is going to help you um, for, uh, for your life and what God has, has called you to do. John chapter 14, and we're going to look at verse 26. 14 and verse 26. I'm reading from the, uh, the New King James. Um, and uh, while you're turning there, it's also going to be an amazing day um, tomorrow as we celebrate the life of, uh, of Dr. Martin Luther King and uh, everything that he stood for. How many think that? I think now more than ever is such, come on, we can do better than that. Now more than ever is such an amazing um, and important time for us um, to honour people like that, that, that are just did such amazing, incredible things um, for justice and unity and and, uh, and for the kingdom. So let's, uh, let's read this verse. It's very quick and very simple. John 14 and verse 26. Jesus said this, and he was speaking of the Holy Spirit, and he describes the Holy Spirit in an interesting way. He says, but the helper, say the word helper. Say it like you've had a, a couple of coffees this morning and you're ready to roll. Say helper. I forgot your fasting coffee. I'm sorry. Some of you may be. Um, some of you are like, no, I'm not. I'm not that spiritual. Okay. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. The helper. That, that, that word is a noun that Jesus used um, to describe not just what the Holy Spirit does, but he's describing who the Holy Spirit is is. And it grabs my attention, this word, because when you think about it, of all of the different things that Jesus could have used to describe the Holy Spirit, the, the third part or one of the, the, the three parts of the Trinity, he uses this word helper, which really essentially, of all of the different sort of churchy spiritual words that he could have used, it's quite a practical word, isn't it? And I'm so encouraged by Jesus' description of the Holy Spirit as being a helper. And let me tell you why, and maybe you can identify with as well, because I've found for me in my life, every single day, I need help. Now, I know for, for, for many of you, that's a, perhaps a, a, a gross understatement. But the reality is, I find myself, when it comes to living my Christian life and the life that God has called me to live, I find when I read this Bible and I'm so challenged by it and the way in which this Word tells me to live, I need help. I, I need help. So when I see Jesus say, the Holy Spirit is the helper. I lean into that. And we should 
lean into that, I think on a deeper level than we really do when it comes to the role of the Holy Spirit in our life. Too often, I think in charismatic Pentecostal circles, we have reduced the Holy Spirit to just being this feeling or a moment in a service. And the problem with that is we have limited the help that the Holy Spirit really can be to our life. And we've we've viewed the Holy Spirit as just being this moment where I feel something on a Sunday, but I leave the Holy Spirit at a door when it comes to my Monday and my Saturday. And I don't know about you, but for me, I find for my life, I need the most help in my Monday to Saturday. I do, I'm sorry, maybe you don't. Maybe when you walk out of here and the presence of God you encounter and it surrounds you and your life is bubbles and butterflies. But for me, I find I need help on Monday. And I wanna know about a Holy Spirit that wants to do more in my life than just hype me on Sunday and give me warm fuzzies and a goosebump and make me wanna run around the room. I wanna read about a Holy Spirit if He really is the helper, if help is not just what He does, but help is who He is and He lives in my heart, then that means that He wants to do more in my life that just can be encapsulated on a Sunday that must mean that there's some help that the Holy Spirit wants to give me throughout my week. I'm just talking, I'm just, you know, I'm just talking with you. I want to know if He's the helper. That leads me to this question. How does the Holy Spirit help me? How does He help me? How does does the Holy Spirit help me in my life? Where are your problems? Where are your challenges? Where are your issues? Where are the things that are weighing on you? Because I dare say for many of you, most of the things that you're facing and the battles that you're in are found outside of this room. They're not found. We don't face, we're not dealing with our battles in church while we're singing worship. It feels nice in here. I'm dealing with my battles in my life. So I want to answer that question. How does he help me? How does he help me? And in order to answer the question, we have to set a foundation that, that real quick, but it's really important. Um, and the foundation is this, that if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, I wanna tell you a statement and I want you to listen to this statement. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. You may not feel it. You may not necessarily always demonstrate a gift of the Holy Spirit, but you have the Holy Spirit. Because, and the reason why I can say that confidently is because it's very biblically based. Paul says in Philippians 1 and verse 19, speaking of the Holy Spirit, he describes the Holy Spirit in this way and he says, the Spirit of Jesus So if Paul describes the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of Jesus and you've received Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, then I would also in that moment receive the Holy Spirit. 
Romans 8 and verse 9 is another verse where he says, and he talks about in regard to the Holy Spirit. And Paul says, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, then you don't have Jesus. Jesus himself said that no kingdom divided against itself will ever stand. Now, if I received received Jesus at salvation, but I did not also in that moment receive the Holy Spirit, then that would suggest in that moment that Jesus and the Holy Spirit were divided. It's not consistent with Scripture. Now, the level to which you activate that Holy Spirit that you have, that's where it can change from person to person. So somebody can activate the Holy Spirit in their life on a greater level than somebody else and activate more gifts of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and all of these different variations, but they all come from the one Holy Spirit that we all have access to the moment we get saved. Now, this is an important foundation because I don't know about you, but I know for me, in my Monday to Saturday, there are times when I don't feel like the Holy Spirit is there. I know that's incredibly unspiritual for a preacher to say. And many of you don't wanna come back next week because of the lack of faith that I have, but that's just the truth. There are moments where I feel like with all of the hell that I'm facing at times, Holy Spirit, where are you? Okay? And it's important that you understand the foundation that the Holy Spirit is always with you, that He never leaves you nor forsakes you, but you have to establish that foundation, not based upon what I'm telling you, but based upon the evidence that I am showing you. Never believe a preacher or teacher just because of what they say. Believe them based on the evidence. Let me tell you something. My dad's an attorney. My dad's an attorney. When my dad gets up in court to represent somebody in court, he will make a statement and the magistrate or the judge will say, what do you plead? And he will say, we plead. If they're going to plead not guilty, he'll say not guilty. Now they don't believe them in the moment. He's just making a statement but he has to back up the statement with evidence. And the evidence is what establishes a sure foundation. And where we get flaky, surface level Christians that fall apart the moment life gets hard is because their life has not been built upon solid evidence. It's been built upon some preacher that they like to listen to because he makes them feel nice on a Sunday. And that feels great on a Sunday, but it will do nothing for you on a Monday. You have to establish faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So faith gives you evidence and evidence gives you confidence and confidence gives you strength. So when the enemy comes to you tomorrow, when you're facing a challenge in your life and you don't feel the Holy Spirit, you can tell the enemy and remind him that he is a liar and tell him the truth of not what Ben said yesterday, but the truth of what God says every day and the truth of God's Word is that He is with me. Even when I don't feel it, I can stand upon it as a promise. Does that make sense? Give God praise right now because it just feels good to do. 
Okay? So, so it's evidence. Evidence gives me confidence and confidence gives me strength. So He's with me. Say it out loud. Say He's with me. Say it again like you believe it. He's with me. Okay, so let's get God out here. I want to paint you a picture real quick. God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and let's do our thing. So real quickly, to give you a visual, because I'm a visual person, okay, to give you a visual, let's stand right here. This is Jesus appropriately hairstyled with nice long hair and this is the Holy Spirit, okay? This is God. This, this little picture right here, this encapsulates what the Christian life, according to Scripture, is. When I get saved, I receive Jesus as my Lord and Saviour. It's through Jesus that I have relationship with God the Father. Okay? I also, in that moment of salvation, I have the Holy Spirit. The level to which I lean upon Him and listen to Him, that's up to me, but He's always here. Okay? So this right here is the Christian life. The only way to God the Father is through Jesus. Whatever you've been told otherwise is not true. I'm just telling you. You don't get relationship with God through the pastor or through some priest or through some holy something or Saint Shandabab or climbing a mountain or bowing down here or rubbing this or doing that. Listen, believe me, I've tried most of it and it's all a load of garbage because none of it holds up because all of it comes back to what I do, whereas Christianity is about what He's done, okay? So when I understand that relationship with God comes through Jesus. So this right here, this is what it means to be a Christian. This, this is a picture of how we need to live our life, not just on Sunday, but on Monday. So when I go to work, come with me over here, let's go over here. When I go to work, watch this. I know it's basic, but we're gonna teach you a little. Wait, stay there, wait, stand right there. Stand, sorry. When I go over here, I'm going to work now. He's with me, okay? Stand over here. Everywhere, right? He's with me. Wherever you go, the Holy Spirit Jesus and God. But let me show you something. This right here, as, as, as nice as this little picture is, I dare say that your life is a little more complicated than just this. Okay? You, you, okay, so, all right, let's do this. My life, because we, we want to be all churchy and pretend like we don't have issues and we don't have challenges. Okay, so let's just pivot. Uh, my life is more complicated than this. I'm just telling you, unless you are a hermit that lives in the hills in a cabin you built and grows carrots and that's what you do and you don't do anything else in your life and it's just you, God, and the Holy Spirit and Jesus and everything's great and it's roses and it's lovely and it's bubbly and it's great, that, that's you. But I'm saying for me, for my life, my life is a little more complicated than this because I have more things going on. I have in my life, sorry, work, come over here. I have work, I have marriage, I have family, I have a social, how many of you have a social life? Raise your hand. If you didn't raise your hand, we'll pray for you. I hope that gets better. Social life. And you know what else? Do you know what else I have in my life that I think you might do as well? I have problems. I, I, I do. I do. I know it's Sunday and I know I'm up here. Look at me, I wore a suit for you today and everything. Some of you are like, you've got sneakers. Well, shut up, I know, but I'm trying. And I know we're all dressed nice. But, but, but where's problems? Problems come ahead. But I've got, I got, I got problems too. I've got all of these things. There he is, problem was, he was running late, but that's all right. Stand right here, here, Paul. Stand right there, that's all right. If I want anything to run late, I want problems to run late. 
You're like, amen. Okay. So, so this, this here would be, let's, let's all of us, let's come this way. Let's get nice in the centre because we're going to try and make a pretty little picture of our life. Because if we want to answer the question of how the Holy Spirit helps me in my life, I need to create an accurate picture of my life. You understand? So we could probably all identify with this on a level. Can we not? Can we? I feel like I can. But to be honest, when I look at this, it's, it's good. It's still not really accurate though. Because my life, I know you're starting to think that I'm a mess and wondering why is this guy preaching? He is a wreck. Listen, my life is even, it's more complicated than this. It is. Because while, while family came walking out here nicely and, and he's, he's so sharp and, and looks great and dressed great. Are you single? You are? Do you want that not to be the case? If any girls are interested, submit your applications um, to Tracy Page at Free Chapel and we'll, uh, we'll review them. But listen to me. He looks great, but I don't know about you, but for me, I've found that family often has complications that are not as simple as just family. And therein lies the battle more often than not. So what I wanna do is I wanna show you, let's, let's get down to, if, if this is, if we're gonna create a little bit of an event, if this is our event called life, then what happens is more often than not, when these things come into our life and these things that are present and active in our life, there's more to them. There are often comes with them things that, that attach that we didn't expect, invite, or even want. So that's where our battles are. And more often than not, that's the stuff that I need the help with. If family was as simple as just family, that would be okay. But family, I don't know about you, but some of our families are pretty screwed up. I'm not trying to get in your business, I'm just guessing. So what comes with some of this stuff? Let's, let's start family. Let's get some, let, let, well, let's do this, let's do this. Let's start first and let's talk about work. I want someone to come out here because work is not as simple. Wherein lies the problems with work is what happens is, is, is when work comes into our life, the reason why work can get complicated is there are things that are attached to work Work is of God, but there's things that attach to work and your work life that are not of God. And anything that you, you partner with that is not of God gives the enemy access into your life. Because some of these things that come into your life, so work brings with it selfish ambition. It's good to be motivated, but it becomes selfish ambition. Go, go stand behind work. You know what else works comes with? Work can come with and create a love for money. Now, now you go stand with, with work. Now, money's not bad. Drive whatever the heck car you want to drive, and I don't care how big your house is. As long as 
it isn't positioned higher than the God we serve. Because the moment we put anything above God, do you know what it becomes? It becomes an idol. You guys stand with the word. So this is, this is what we have to understand. More often than not, the stuff, the reason why we need help and the stuff we need help with is not because work is on its own. It's because work came into your life and brought things with it that you didn't expect. That you didn't expect. Now work is a weight and a pressure that's on you and that's where you need the help. Family. Family comes, brings with it some stuff. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, you're looking at me like, you got no idea. Listen, listen. You know what family can, can, can bring with it? Family can bring hurt. Go stand with family. And you know what else family can bring? Family can bring comparison. Comparison because you're single and your sister's married to some hot guy with 47 kids and you, you, you want a hot guy and 47 kids and you don't. So every time you get around family, you compare yourself and your parents are wishing, why are you more not like her and why are you not like him and why don't you do things like her? So it comes with comparison and that carries with it pressure. And you know what else family comes with? And this is a big one. Family Wrapped up in family and the complications of family, there can be a lot of control and a lot of manipulation. And, and control and manipulation is a trap that we as parents can fall into very quickly. Now it's motivated by love, but it's actually rooted in fear. Because that's the reason we control and manipulate. We always think we know best, but we forget that we don't know better than God. And so what we do is in raising our children, we want the best for them and we love them. And the Bible says you've got to train them up in the way they should go. But then once you've trained them up in the way that they should go and they go a different way, we then step into control and manipulation which in turn doesn't draw our kids closer to us or back to the right part. And if you've fallen into this trap, parents, you know what I'm talking about. As much as it's motivated by love, it seems to push them further away because the root of it is really fear. Because it comes down to the question, do we really trust God with our kids? Even when they go down a path, that we know is not God? Do we trust in the Word that we have sown into them that it will not return void? And do we trust in it that the seeds of prayer that have been sown into them will also not return void? And they may go down a road that we don't like, we wouldn't pick and we could not even possibly have imagined for them. But do we trust God enough to know that His Word is true and they will get back on the track that you raised them to walk? Because what happens is it can be so easy. You go stand behind family. What we do is as parents, we position our kids. And this is hard, but it's true. We position our kids higher than our God. And we've created idols of our children. 
It can be so easy because we love them so much. But we have to remain in faith. What this does is it creates kingdom alignment and kingdom structure. And so each of these things, marriage, oh gee, sorry. Do you know what I found? I, I thought, stand right where you are, you're great. I thought before I got married, do you know what? Let me tell you something, just us talking, right? Don't tell anyone else. Before I got married, I thought I was a really good person. I did. I really did. And then I got married and I found out that I can be a jerk sometimes. I really can. And my wife doesn't mind telling me when I am. Any married people know what I'm talking about? Listen, I thought... I thought, I thought I was selfless. I didn't think I was a selfish person at all. But then when I got married, I realised I am so selfish. I am. And so your marriage, will, what it will do is it will dig up in you stuff that you never knew was there. Single people, get ready. Get ready. I tell single people, Listen, make the most of your single years. Don't worry about who you're going to marry. Work on who you are. Work on who you are. Because marriage, it digs up in us selfishness. You go stand with marriage and, and you know what else it digs up in us? It digs up in us pride. You go get with, get with marriage. I, I, listen, let me tell you again, I'm, this is just us talking. I don't want to say sorry. I don't. Listen, I know I'm I know I seem really nice, but sometimes I can be a, I don't want to say sorry. Especially when I don't think, listen, I think I'm always right. Do you know what that's called? It's called pride. That I didn't know was there. I didn't know it was there until I got married. And some of the problems that we're facing and stuff we're dealing with are because of what marriage comes with. And do you know what else marriage can dig up in us? It can dig up our past. So you go stand with marriage. And so we get married and we thought that we dealt with everything in our past and we thought that we understood who we were and we thought that we knew that we were saved and sanctified and all the things we shout about on Sunday and we put on Christian t-shirts like covered in the blood and we tweet it and we post it. But I want to tell you something, if you have not really got the revelation of the blood of Jesus Christ that has cleansed you from your past and every mistake you've ever made and every insecurity you have, I promise you when you get married, your past will show up. And you didn't expect it, you didn't invite it, but the moment marriage came in the door of your life, marriage brought with it all of these other just issues. Are we getting an, a, a closer, am I getting warmer to what your life might be looking like? Let's keep, you wanna keep going? 
Okay, three of you, I'll preach to those three. Um, You've got your study life. Where's study? Study's here somewhere. Is study out here? You got your study. Stand there with them, study. Study, for those of you that are studying, study's good. Study, the hand of the diligence shall rule. We've got to be studying. We've got to be. But the problem is with study, study can dig up anxiety. You go stand with him and someone else come out here. Um, and study can also come with us. It can, it can bring fear. So you're, you get to be fear and you go stand with study. And, and this is, so you see, you see what our life looks. And then we have our social life. And in our social life, the social life is good. You've got to have a social life. I mean, you're not a hermit. You're not living with that joker in the hills making your own carrots. You've got to, you know, you've got to hang with friends. And, and, and you need to make sure it's establishing that everything in our life that is good and that is of God, like a social life, the purpose of it in your life is actually to bring glory to God. Everything, that's what living a surrendered life looks like. So you have to make sure that your social life is actually bringing glory to God. I know it sounds really spiritual, but it's the truth, which means the friends that you hang with, that they need to be either, they need to be people that are pouring into your life and pushing you closer to God, or they need to be people that you're reaching down to, pulling them up, bringing them closer to God. So you have to have two different groups. You've got to have safe friends, but you've also got to have unsafe friends because if you don't, you're having no influence. But you have to make sure that the unsafe friends are not influencing you and that you're influencing them. Otherwise, your social life would, will come with it bad influences. So, so you go to social life. And you know what else social life can also come with? Social life in this, in this modern day and age, social life is often made up of what? Social media. That's why we're fasting now as a church beginning this week. So social media, now is social media bad? No, it's just modern technology. But does social media bring with it stuff into your life? You better believe it. You better believe it. You could be scrolling on social media and you start looking at different things and you're looking at this person, looking at that person and you see your friend and she's doing this and you're watching social media and you feel like your marriage is falling apart and you look at your friends and they're posting hot selfies and she's in a bikini and he's got a six pack and they're doing selfies in Paris and they're in the background being like, yeah, what's up? And you're like, my marriage sucks and my wife's fat and I'm overweight and I hate my house. Huh? It's the truth. I'm just, listen, I'm just, I'm just telling you, don't email me, email Pastor Tracy. Listen, I'm just telling you, I'm getting into your head because you look at this stuff and then you start looking at someone else and you start getting jealous about their life and my life. Well, I wish their life was like that. And why can't we go to Paris and you never take me to Paris? And then you're scrolling on social media and, and then some of you looking on there and you start seeing all of this stuff and you're seeing all these different people's, people's posts and what people post and you're watching all of these things and you allow this stuff to get into your mind. Then you start getting into lust because you're looking at what you're looking at and you're in the sites that you're looking at. Listen, understand some of the battles that you're facing and the things that you're in are not because the enemy is so big, bad and ugly in your life. It's just because you've given him too much access to your life. Don't think that you're going to allow lust into your life. Oh, let me tell you something about lust. Lust will leave the door open. 
And once the door is open, the enemy can come and go as he pleases. He'd do whatever he wants. He only has the access in your life that you give him. And so we're on social media and we're looking at that and we're looking at everybody else's life. And then we start wondering, why am I like that? Why don't I look like that? Then we start getting insecure about where I'm at. And then insecurity, someone else come out here. And then insecurity for many young people, insecurity, we start having body image issues. You guys stand with And we start to question and we start to struggle and we look at our photos. And it's, you know what it is? It triggers. Any psychologist, psychiatrist can talk to you about it. These are triggers. And, and you know what? The enemy for so many of us, he is just having a field day, just doing whatever he wants in our life because of all of this other just, let me just say it, crap that we've just let in. We didn't realise. So now, let's say now, I think, I think right now we're probably where we, I think for most part, we could look here on some level and say, that's where I'm at. So back to the question, how does the Holy Spirit help me with this? Because I want to tell you something. I've learned something about being a Christian, singing a worship song on Sunday, as great as it is and as amazing as it is. It doesn't seem to help me too much with this stuff. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that after you sing, finish singing worship on Sunday and go home, a lot of this stuff hasn't changed? Maybe, maybe you haven't. Maybe it does change it. And if that's true, then talk to me after. I'd love to know how. But I've found the reason why I help, need help on Monday is because of this stuff. So how does the Holy Spirit help me with this? Jesus explains it to us in John chapter 16. He says this. In verse 13, he says, However, when he, the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of truth, when he comes, he will guide you into all truth. The first thing I want you to write down, I'm going to give you three quick points. How does the Holy Spirit help me? Because I need help. If you can identify with anything up here, you do too. So how does he help me? The first way he helps me, the Holy Spirit, is the Holy Spirit tells me, the truth. The truth is God's Word. And, 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 and as the Holy Spirit tells me the truth, it's up to me what I do with what I've been told. Because otherwise the truth will do nothing for you unless it's believed and then obeyed. So many of us are in the mess that we are in in our life because we have not lived our life according to the truth of God's Word. So what does a Spirit-led life really look like? It looks like this, Holy Spirit, and here we go. You know what it looks like? It looks like me getting the Holy Spirit and saying, Holy Spirit, I give you permission to lead my life in every single area. We have departmentalised our life. We give God Sunday and wonder why we struggle Monday to Saturday. But we've identified that you need the most help Monday to Saturday. 
and the Holy Spirit can help you, but you have to position Him correctly. So when I position Him correctly and I begin to, come over here, Holy Spirit. I give Him permission and I say, when it comes to my work, I say, Holy Spirit, it it can look as simple as this, starting a work day by saying, Holy Spirit, will you show me Will you show me and guide me today in regard to my work? You know what the Holy Spirit will do? He'll look down at your work and everything that came with it. And through the truth of God's Word, the Holy Spirit will speak to you in God's Word about your work. And what God's Word will do, the Word of God will come in and it will separate. And it will, if you believe it and you obey, Obey it, you've got to do it, you've got to do it. It will set you free. What will it set you free from? All of the stuff that came with work that should have never come in. So the Holy Spirit will say, selfish ambition, you've got to bounce. Love of money, we love God first, put Him first, you've got to bounce. Idols, you're above God, you've got to bounce. Now you have simplified, it's as simple as this. I know it's basic, I know it's simple, but this is so basic and so simple that more often than not as Christians, we're not doing it. And He will work through it. And then He'll walk and He'll come up to marriage and He'll say, Ben, stop being a jerk and submit your life to me and be humble and get rid of selfishness because that's not of me. And as you humble yourself before God and you get in those moments of worship, not just on a Sunday, He'll speak to you on Sunday, but as you listen to worship in your home and as you listen to worship and as you're praying and as you're reading the Word, He'll say, man, Ben, the reason why you don't wanna apologise is because you got pride. Get rid of the pride in your life and He'll set you free from your past because when you try and connect with your spouse and there's a divide because of the guilt and shame you feel from your past, the Holy Spirit will show you in God's Word how the Word says that whom the Son sets free shall be free indeed. And it won't just be something you quote on Sunday. It'll be something that you believe on Monday to Saturday and you'll actually sense the power of the Holy Spirit that will remind you who you are and you won't view yourself filtered through your past, but you'll view yourself filtered through your Saviour and that'll set you free and then you'll be able to connect with your spouse on a level you never thought was possible because the divide of your past that separated you from your spouse all this time has now gone. Why? Because that's the power of God's Word. Listen, this book is pretty good. It's pretty good. And He'll work through it. Let's... let's, We'll come to problems, we'll come to Him. And He'll talk to us about our family. And He'll say, listen, that's hurt. You've got to forgive. Let me tell you something that will leave the door, the greatest door wide open to the enemy in your life, unforgiveness. You, listen, you hold on to and harbour unforgiveness, you, will, you are giving the enemy more access to your life and more opportunity for torment on a level you have never even known before, He will run havoc in your life if you harbour unforgiveness. This is how He helps us. And He speaks to family and He says, manipulation control, you need to go. We're not gonna live like that. I'm not gonna parent like that. 
He says, trust me in comparison. He says, stop comparing yourself to your siblings and trust me that I order your steps and I've got great things for you, that I've got a plan for you. I've anointed you not to be anybody else. I've anointed you to be you. And then He'll speak to you about study and He'll say, you study and, and but get rid of anxiety. You don't have to be anxious about it and you don't have to be fearful about what the future holds. And then He'll speak to you about your social life. And it's not that it's bad to have non-Christian friends or ungodly friends, but it's the bad influences that they have on your life. So he'll say, bad influences, I love you, but you've got to go, sorry. And jealousy, you don't have to be jealous about anybody. You're secure in who you are. So jealousy, you bounce. And lust, I'm not gonna partner with lust anymore. I'm not gonna give him access to my life. And insecurity's gotta go because I'm gonna be secure. And body image's gotta go because the Word of God tells me that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and there is no single flaw in me. And I recognise who I am and I'm not gonna give in to the attack of the enemy through social media to tell me what I've got to look like. And I'm not gonna allow the enemy access in my life and see now listen we're back to a simpler more structured life so what's the purpose all of these things in our life the second thing that he does the the, the word says Jesus said the Holy Spirit he said he will glorify God which means the Holy Spirit will lift up God he will always point everything. When you allow the Holy Spirit to be active in all of these areas of your life, He will always guide you and He will, the second point is, fix your focus upon your God. Even when it comes to your study, that you'll study knowing that God, you're guiding me. God, you're directing me. That everything that I'm studying for is about submitting to your purpose and your plan for my life. And the same with your family. It'll fix your focus and every area of your life to focus on God. But I'm aware that this joker, this dude is still up here. And that's concerning, isn't it? Do you know what I wanted to preach? I wanted to get to this part in the sermon and I wanted to find something in Scripture to justify me being able to tell Him to leave the stage as well. That's what I wanted to preach. And in my mind, it went awesome. In my mind, it was going to be cool. It's going to be this moment. And I would tell you this Scripture. And I would say, and those problems will leave in Jesus' Name. And then in my mind, you all got on your feet. And we went, yeah. And we were all like, yeah, I hate the devil. And we all walked out of here happy. Do you know what? I can't preach it though. Is it's not scriptural. And it's not, if it's not scriptural, it won't set you free. It won't. Because James actually says this. Consider it pure joy when you face, James puts it nicer. He says trials, but consider it pure joy when you have the stuff in your life that you're dealing with that you don't want. Because I wanna tell you, this stuff 
Some of the stuff in your life that you're dealing with, when you allow the Holy Spirit and live according to the Word of God, they will go, they will bounce, I promise you. But there are certain things that, let me say this, they may not. And I'm not trying to discourage you, I'm just telling you. And when I was preparing it, like, it bothered me because I'm like, God, like, how are we gonna, you know, how do I get people happy? You know, how to like preach something that we're all like. And I asked the Lord and I was praying and, 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 and the Lord, and as I was praying, I'm looking, you know, in Scripture and, you know, I'm visual in my mind. I'm, I'm just praying and God took me to this place just in my mind and took me down to a Roman prison. And it was dark and it was wet and it was cold and it was rat infested Roman prison. And in my mind, as I was praying, asking God for, what's like, what about this stuff? He took me to Philippians 1 and verse 19. And it's a verse that, that Paul wrote. And Paul says this, Philippians 1 and verse 19. He says, for I know, I want you to understand that Paul at this point, He's in a Roman prison. He's in, where the heck is this? Here we go. He's in the middle of a Roman prison and he says, for I know, understand Paul is facing execution. And Paul sits there. In my mind, I saw Paul sitting there in the worst situation imaginable. And it wasn't leaving. And Paul writes this and he says, For I know that this will turn out for my good. And I stopped and I was like, Paul, like, you know, it hit me. And I'm like, bro, like, I said, Paul, come on, don't be like, don't be churchy with me. Be real. You know it bothered me. I'm going to tell you, sometimes I read the verses in the Bible and they just annoy me. They annoy me. Why do they annoy me? Because they challenge me so much. I got down, listen, I got, I'm so visual. I know it's weird, but just welcome to me. I, I, in my mind, I got down to Paul while he was sitting there facing execution. And I said, Paul, hang on, stop, bro. You know. And I said, how? I said, bro, this is bad. I said to Paul, I said, Paul, these, they're gonna kill you. It's dark, it's wet. There is no hope for you, Paul. Don't you get it? And he just writes, I know. I said, Paul, I, I said, level with me, bro. Like, you know, he didn't say, I think. He didn't say, maybe. He said, I know. And I was so challenged by it. And then he goes on and he talks about in the verse, put up on the screen. And he says, how? how? And I said, Paul, how do you know? And he says this, because of the supply of the Spirit 
And, and I start to think and I'm like, that there are certain situations that the way you will overcome the situation is not by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God telling it to leave, but it's by the Spirit giving you the supply you need to stand in the middle of it and still have faith. I wish, I wish I could tell you that they're all gonna go away, but the fact of the matter is that's not true. But what I can tell you, I can tell you that it may not go away and it may not change, but I will tell you that it doesn't have to overcome you if you would allow the supply of the Spirit to strengthen you and give you a grace to overcome. Listen, listen. It would have preached so much better. It would have preached so much better if problems left. But I've seen too many Christians give up on God because certain things in their life remained that they didn't want. That's why I love the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego so much. Listen, it's not in Scripture, but I bet, and I wanna ask them when I get to heaven, I bet those boys were praying, God, don't let us get in the fire. I bet they did. Wouldn't you have prayed that? I would have. There was no, there was no precedent of, of, of God standing with someone in a fire. So I bet they prayed. I bet they were praying, God, don't let the fire come. Don't let us get in the fire. We're standing up for you. Don't let us get in the fire. But you know what I love about the story? Is that God demonstrated His power not by causing the fire to somehow leave. He demonstrated His power to them by standing with them. When they were right in the middle of it. Sometimes, sometimes you will overcome your storms by speaking to them. Other times you're gonna overcome your storms by sailing right through the middle. And if we don't have a deeper faith, that's why too many Christians, it, 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 sh it rattled me when I saw too many Christians get so shaky because of the attacks and the challenges that brought, that 2020 brought. Because, and why, I'm just telling you, it challenged me. You know why? Because we're not strong enough. I'm just telling you, we as, as the people of God and the church of Jesus Christ, we are not strong enough because we've created this false doctrine that if I give everything to God, that everything's gonna be okay all the time. You will be okay, but everything may not be okay. 
And we in the Western world, in the Western Pentecostal church, we have got to get a deeper level of understanding of how the Holy Spirit helps us in a way that establishes a strength in our life that says, I believe in the faith and the touch of God upon my life and His guard and His protect around me that I can stand in the middle of hell itself and still give God praise and still be immovable and still be unshakable despite what is going on. We've got to, listen, and I wanna challenge all of us, myself included, we got to get stronger. Quit worrying about people are saying the church is being persecuted. Maybe. But what you think the church, the bride of Christ, you think the enemy's gonna rattle the church? Persecution? Bro, are you joking? Have you been to the church in Iran? Have you been to the underground church in China? We don't know persecution till you've talked to some joker who's had his family slaughtered in front of him and has to risk his life to get to church on a Sunday in some underground cave, but he still gets in there with all the Deal that all the stuff that he's had to deal with, and still holding a little beat up, ripped few pages of a Bible, stands there with tears in his eyes, giving God praise. We got to get stronger, church, and I'm telling you, now is the time. There has never been a better time in history for the church of Jesus Christ to get stronger, to get grounded, to get a firmer root in our faith, and to declare that God is good. Despite persecution, despite challenges, my God is good. My God is faithful and the devil can do whatever he wants to do. He can throw whatever he wants to throw. He can attack my mind. He can come out trying to attack my work, my finances, my family, my marriage, but I've submitted it all to the God that I serve. And I refuse to get lured into a fight with an enemy that's already been defeated. I don't know what you're facing, but right now I want you to just give Him praise. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps this podcast reach even more people. Free Chapel can now be your home church no matter where you live with Free Chapel Online. Watch weekly messages from wherever you are with your family and friends, join online small groups, volunteer, and more. Plus, there's weekly content for youth and kids. Join today by downloading the Free Chapel app or head over to freechapel.org online. And a special thanks to those who give generously to help us produce weekly content like this to reach the world with the message of Jesus. If you'd like to partner with us, you can give by clicking the link in the description or on our website and app. God bless you and we'll see you next week.